Uh, Turn with me in your Bibles to Psalm 121. Psalm 121. It's a short psalm, just eight verses that will be, it has been shaping our worship service this morning, will be the the passage for the sermon today as we think back on 2023 and look forward to 2024. But Psalm 121, if you don't have a Bible with you, you can grab that Bible in the pew in front of you and you'll find this psalm on page 516. Page 516. Psalm 121, I'm going to read all eight verses for us. Here's what the Lord's word says to us in Psalm 121. A song of ascents. I lift up my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. It's a real privilege to be able to gather together for worship on the last day of 2023. The first day of this year was a Sunday. Now, the last day of the year is a Sunday, so we've bookended our year together, worshiping the Lord, and obviously we don't always get that, but it's, it's a real privilege when we do. And I'd like to end this year with a similar focus that we started the year with. We started 2023 with a sermon series about the hymn Amazing Grace. I'm sure all of you in some form or fashion have heard of the hymn Amazing Grace. Unlike any other hymn, it's just pervaded uh, the world, our culture in so many different ways. But we started this year with a sermon series about that hymn because this year marks the 250th uh, anniversary of the writing of that hymn. And when John Newton originally wrote that hymn on on this day in 1773, he was sitting in his study on a cold, wintry day in this small town of Olney, England. And he wrote that hymn as a New Year's hymn for his church. We use it for all kinds of things now, funerals, weddings, weddings memorial services, everything. But he wrote that hymn originally as a New Year's hymn, and the original title of the hymn was not Amazing Grace. The original title of the hymn was Faith's Review and Expectation. doesn't really roll off the tongue as well. It doesn't sound as good. But Faith's Review and Expectation. And he wrote the hymn that way because he had this habit in his own life and he wanted to bring it to his church Newton did, of looking, taking time each year to look back on the year that was and look forward on the year to come. Look back, faith's review, and look forward, expectation. And he would often write in his diaries and his journals that he, would, he was thinking on past mercies and future hopes. Past mercies and future hopes. And like John John Newton did with his church 250 years ago, I'd like for us to spend some time together looking back on 2023 and looking forward to 2024 with faith in the Lord as our God. John Newton did not call his hymn Review and Expectation. He called his hymn Faith's Review and Expectation. 
So we want to look back on the year and look forward to the next year with faith in the Lord as our God. And, and I think Psalm 121 is going to be a good guide for us in this because it's going to give us a few truths to hold on to as we do both of those things, as we look back and as we look forward. And this psalm is going to give us a lot of encouragement, a lot of truth, but if I had to summarize it all, I would say it this way, that this Psalm 121 calls us to trust the untiring, sheltering, everlasting presence of the Lord. Trust the untiring, sheltering, everlasting presence of the Lord. As you look back and as you look forward. The psalm is written in, in pairs. There's eight verses, eight and four pairs of verses. And each pair is going to show us something different about the presence of the Lord. So all, the, all those adjectives I just listed out in that phrase there, we'll unpack each of those. But first, as we look at the first two verses of the psalm, we're going to see where God's presence meets our present. Where God's presence meets our present. As we come to Psalm 121, it's part of this collection of psalms. This collection of psalms that were for the people of Israel to sing and pray as they journeyed from wherever they lived to Jerusalem for major feasts and festivals. You saw that in the, in the title. I, I, I read this. It comes right before I lift my eyes up to the hills. You see that phrase there, a song of ascents. The same phrase is at the beginning of Psalm 120. The same phrase is at the beginning of Psalm 122, Psalm 123, Psalm 124. So this whole section right here are all these psalms these songs that the people of Israel would take with them on the journey to Jerusalem. Traveling songs for the road to, up to Jerusalem. It was not an easy journey. It was not just a smooth walk, not just a smooth drive. Many of them traveled by foot, and there were parts along the way, wherever they were coming from, that were dangerous, that were unpredictable. They were exposed to intense heat, as you think about that part of the world in certain times of year. There were robbers that hid along the way just waiting for the next family or individual to come through. And though this journey to Jerusalem that they would take on a regular basis was one that all Israelites knew they had to make, they also knew it was a journey that would leave them feeling vulnerable and weak and insecure. God's people today, we don't travel to Jerusalem on a regular basis. That's not where God's, the place of God's presence is any longer but we're still on a journey. Any, any Christian today is traveling through this life toward heaven, toward the new Jerusalem. And this journey can make you feel just as vulnerable and just as weak and just as insecure. Even when you hear me say at the beginning, hey, we're going to spend some time reflecting on 2023, some of you would honestly say, I don't want to do that. Or if I say, hey, we're going to spend some time looking forward to 2024, some of you would honestly say, I don't want to do that. I don't like thinking ahead. I don't like looking back. Because that kind of reflection or that kind of looking forward, it, it reminds us that life is uncertain. It reminds us that temptation can strike at any time. It reminds us that trials seem to ambush us sometimes and those we love. There were things that happened to you this year that you never would have dreamed could happen to you. There are things that could come this next year that none of us can predict. Good and bad. Easy and hard. Crisis can come without warning. And this was the same for their journey as well. And it's this kind of uncertainty that leads the psalmist to ask this. Look with me at verse 1. Here's the question. I lift my eyes, I lift up my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come? Do you hear the 
the insecurity in a question like that? The uncertainty in a question like that? Whatever the author saw in front of him, it signaled worry and fear and insecurity in him. So he's saying, where does my help come from? In other words, where's my hope? Where's my security? Where's my safety from all that life brings my way? As you look back on 2023 and look forward to 2024, where does your help come from? Who or what do you look to to give you a sense of security and and solidity and hope? Do you look to, well, in 2023, most of my plans went according to plan? Or do you look to a certain person? Or do you look to certain achievements that came your way this past year? Or do you hope to come your way in the next year? Where do you look for help, for a sense of security? And Psalm 121 puts before us that there's really only two options as we answer that question. The Lord and any and everything else. And as we just sang earlier, on Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. And this is what Psalm 121 is going to show us. All other ground is sinking sand. He answers his question. He goes on to explain why the Lord and the Lord only can be his source of hope, his source of help and security. Look at verse 2. He answers his own question. He says, my help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. Now you've seen the word help show up twice. The word help is not the kind of help you use when you're trying to put together furniture from Ikea. It's not like, hey, I need some assistance here. It's the kind of help you use when you're drowning in the ocean. It's not assistance he needs. It's rescue he needs. It's hope that he needs. It's security that he needs. And he says, my help, my rescue, my hope comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He's saying when, you, when looking to the hills makes you anxious or afraid, remember who made the hills. When looking to the hills makes you worried, remember who made the hills. The Lord who made heaven and earth, the creator of all things, who is full of steadfast love and faithfulness and always keeps his promises to his people. That's his help. Trust the Lord's presence. Rely on the Lord's presence. We see this very thing acted out later on in the, in the New Testament in the book of Acts. In the book of Acts in the early church, there's a time where some of the leaders have been going out to share the gospel and tell other people about Jesus. And they've been uh, in trouble for it. They've been imprisoned for it by the religious leaders of their day. And the religious leaders, this is in Acts chapter 4, they threaten them and they tell them, don't go talking about the name of Jesus anymore. Or we'll do the same thing again. We'll put you in jail again. We'll beat you again. And immediately go and find other Christians and they pray. And when they pray, they say, Sovereign Lord who made heaven and earth. That's the first place they go to. Not just praying to the Lord, but praying to the Lord as the creator and maker of all things. All of this is showing us is that for you and I to make it through the journey of this life, we need a source of help that doesn't need its own source of help. And only the Lord is that. He's the creator of all things. Anything else we would trust in has been created and can't be the source of help that we need. So from the very beginning here, I think there's a sense in which this psalm puts in front of all of us, am I relying on something that needs its own source of help? 
Or am I relying on the Lord who is the source of help for all things? I know that remembering all this past year has brought and wondering all the next year could bring, it can stir up a wide range of emotions from really hard emotions to really joyful emotions and everything in between. But no matter which emotions come to the surface for you as you look back and look forward, verses one and two are encouraging us here to remember how powerful the Lord is. He's the maker of heaven and earth. He's the ruler and sustainer of the universe, of the planets, of the galaxies, and of every single cell in your body. And if he can create and take care of the universe, he can take care of us. As we move on into the psalm, this is where we start unpacking some of those adjectives. This is where the psalmist starts saying, here's why the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth, is my help. And that's, that's where we'll start looking at these phrases a little bit. So I said we want to trust in the untiring, sheltering, everlasting presence of the Lord. So let's look together at his untiring presence. His untiring presence. This is where we get to verse 3. So the next pair, verses 3 and 4. And you'll notice in this pair, the psalmist goes from saying I and my to you and your. So he goes from talking about his own experience and now he's encouraging the people of God then and now with these truths, explaining here's why the Lord and only the Lord can be your help, can be your security, can be your refuge. Here's what he says. Let's look at verses three and four together. He will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. That first phrase, he will not let your foot be moved. He's saying the the Lord gives you a stability in your soul that nothing else can give you. The Lord who made heaven and earth will put your feet, put your soul on solid ground. A few years back, Carrie Lynn and I got to go on a, a trip for our anniversary. And we went to Costa Rica. And one of the activities that we did in Costa Rica was we repelled down waterfalls. It was really, really fun. It might sound stupid to some of you, but it was really, really fun. And as you're repelling down these waterfalls, obviously in a waterfall, all the rocks are wet. And so to, to kind of push back and then hop down, you're not really landing on solid, dry, anchored surfaces. The rocks are shaky, the rocks are wobbly, and they're wet. So you're just going and jumping down, jumping down, jumping down. And then eventually you get to the bottom and you're on some giant boulder and it feels so much better to stand on that giant boulder than all the shaky rocks down the waterfall. And this is what he's saying is the differences between your soul having the Lord as your help and any other source. Only the Lord will not let your foot be moved. Only the Lord can keep your feet on the rock. Only the Lord can give you a peace that passes all, surpasses all understanding. Only he can give you and I the stability of soul we need to keep going. I don't know about you, but there is nothing in me that is gonna keep me going. I need the Lord every day, every moment of every day to keep going. And then he he elaborates on this. He says, he who, this is verse three again, he who keeps you will not slumber. And he elaborates on it even more. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. We'll come back to that word keep in the next verse. It's a really important word in the psalm. 
But he repeats this idea here that the Lord will not slumber, that he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. He even uses that word in verse four, behold, to kind of call our attention to it. He's saying, look at this, pay attention to this. Notice this, the Lord never slumbers or sleeps. Last night, Carrie Lynn went to play volleyball with some friends, and when she got home, I I was asleep, and she walks in, I was asleep on the couch, she walks in, and so I'm kind of like trying to to wake up a little, and this story is, it, it, just shows that you need to pray for me a lot. It's not, it makes me look really bad. Uh, but she comes in and she's, we're getting ready to, to hit upstairs and go to bed. And I, I kind of wake up a little bit like, how was volleyball? Trying to be like engaged, trying to be a good husband, trying to ask her about her time playing volleyball. She starts to answer. As she's answering, I fall back asleep. Because I wasn't, didn't fully, like I didn't sit up. I was still just laying there looking, hey, how was volleyball, babe? Did you have a good time? And then as she's answering, I'm just, Going back to sleep. <laughs> she like calls me out in this moment, rightfully so. It's a pretty jerk move on my part. But she goes, she said, well, now I must know what it's like when you preach on Sunday and you're up there talking and people are just falling asleep. I said, I love you, babe. Love you. We should probably just go to bed and not talk to each other until tomorrow. But I say all this to say, when you go to the Lord, you never have to stir him to wake him. You never have to wake him. Hey, hey, Lord, wake up for a second. You never have to do that. He never slumbers or sleeps. In the, in the Old Testament, in the book of Kings, there's this episode with Elijah and the prophets of Baal. And there, there's this contest. And, and kids, there's a book in our, I think it's in our library called The God Contest. It's about this story. I would, I would highly recommend you go and get it. It's a great little book about this story of Elijah. But it's the prophets of Baal and Elijah, and the prophets of Baal are trying to get their God to respond. They do all these crazy things, and Elijah comes and kind of mocks them and says, maybe your God's asleep, and you need to go wake him up. And Elijah's pointing us, and this psalm's pointing us to the fact, the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth, he never has to be woken up. He never dozes off. He's never drowsy. He calls our attention to this because he knows there's times from our perspective where it seems like God is dozing off, where it seems like God is even asleep. There's times in 2023 where you felt that way. You felt like God had kind of dozed off. You felt like maybe he was asleep. There will be times in 2024 where you might think that's the case. Your circumstances seem to say that or how your relationships are going seem to say that or you're praying and praying and praying about something but the Lord just, is he not hearing me? Is he asleep? Why is he not answering this prayer? Has the Lord dozed off on me? Has he fallen asleep and let go of the controls of my life? And he reminds us of God's track record here when he says in verse four, behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. When he says that phrase, he who keeps Israel, he's reminding us of scene after scene after scene after scene of God's faithfulness to his people. He said, did God fall asleep on Abraham? Did God fall asleep on Isaac? Did God fall asleep on Jacob? Did God fall asleep on Noah or Moses? Did God fall asleep on David? Did God fall asleep ever on his people? No, he who keeps Israel. One pastor said it this way, the Lord is the night watchman of the universe. 
His care for your life is untiring. You will never have to wake him. He is always with you. He is always guiding you. And this leads us straight into verses five and six, this, this other truth about God's presence in our lives, that his, not just his t- untiring presence, but his sheltering pre- presence, his sheltering presence. We're coming to, and as we get to verses five and six, we're coming to the kind of epicenter of this psalm. And in coming to the middle of it, it spotlights, it highlights a really cent- the central truth of the whole psalm. I'll show you what I mean. The very first sentence in verse five. I think this is the, the main point of the entire psalm. Verse five, the Lord is your keeper. This is the very middle of the psalm, one of the most important sentences in the psalm. The Lord is your keeper. This word keep shows up six times in six verses. You saw it show up in verse three, he who keeps you will not slumber. Verse four, he who keeps Israel. Now verse five, the Lord is your keeper. It's a key word for the writer because traveling this difficult path to Jerusalem that we talked about earlier, protection is what you need. Keeping is what you need to make it to the end of the journey. And so to be kept by the Lord It's to be protected by the Lord, to be cared for by him. You think about it in terms of like a goalkeeper in soccer. That goalkeeper protects and guards the goal. A zookeeper at the zoo protects and cares for the animals. And he's saying the Lord is your keeper. The Lord has protected you and he will protect you. The Lord has cared for you and he will continue to care for you. Put put all of this together and think about it this way. The Lord, the maker of heaven and earth, the one who keeps Israel, the God who never dozes off or falls asleep, he is your protector. He's your keeper. And he gives us a picture of what this means. The second part of verse five and verse six show us this picture. He says, the Lord is your shade on your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day, nor the moon by night. If you're walking the long road to Jerusalem, shade is a really valuable thing. It was hot, and that hot sun would beat down on you day after day, step after step. And so to find shade was to find protection from the sun, was to find rest and relief from the elements that you're journeying through. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. The sun, verse six, the sun shall not strike you by day, nor the moon by night. He's saying the Lord will protect you from whatever the day may bring and whatever threats the night brings as well. The Lord will protect you at all times, day and night. Notice though, it doesn't promise that the Lord's gonna take away the scorching heat. It doesn't promise that the Lord's gonna get rid of whatever threatens you at night, but it does promise you and I that his sheltering presence is with us at all times. Just like the psalmist writes in Psalm 23, where he says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. He doesn't say the Lord completely takes him out of the valley of the shadow of death. He says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for the Lord is with me. And that's the same thing here. The emphasis is not on the Lord 
always taking us out of what's hard or what's uncomfortable or what's difficult. The emphasis is on the Lord is with us in it. The Lord will protect us and watch over us through it. He's saying, the Lord is your keeper, and there's never a moment when he's not your keeper. He's not just your keeper from nine to five. He's not just your keeper in certain seasons of life. Okay, when you really get desperate, I'll step in, protect you, and then I gotta go take care of other people. No, the Lord is always your keeper at all times and in all circumstances. The Lord watches over you and protects you. The power of this, of his sheltering presence, is that there is no force stronger than the Lord's presence. There's nothing in your past, there's nothing in your present, there's nothing in your future that can keep God from keeping you. Nothing can overwhelm him, nothing can overcome him. He always shelters his people with his presence. How would it, how would it change the way that you see 2023 looking back on it? Or how would it change the way that you see 2024 looking ahead on it? If you held this banner over the year, the Lord is your keeper. I'm not saying it would, well, anything that was hard would just immediately become really easy. It's not realistic. But how would it change your perspective of the past year? How would it change your perspective of the year to come if that was your banner? The Lord is your keeper. The Lord, Lord in all caps, Yahweh, the maker of heaven and earth, who always keeps his promises, who's always faithful, and full of steadfast love. What would it cause you to thank him for? What would it cause you to ask him for, knowing he is your keeper? Trust his untiring, sheltering presence. And lastly, his everlasting presence. His everlasting presence. That's where we come to the last pair of verses, verses seven and eight. And you'll see the way it ends here I'm not sure it's easy to pick which part is my favorite or which part really encourages us the most. So I'll just let the Spirit work through his word as he will. But let's look together at verse 7. The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. When I first read that verse, I thought, verse 7, at least the first phrase, the Lord will keep you from all evil. I mean, that's a nice idea. But we all know from experience that doesn't really happen. We face temptation all the time. We face difficulties all the time. Some of you have been through really hard things this year, really hard things. So how is it true that the Lord keeps us from all evil? We know even from other verses in the Bible, this verse is not guaranteeing a life of perfect health and wealth and success, whatever you do. But it's a further promise of the Lord's protection. Just notice the scope here. The Lord will keep you from all evil. Not some evil, all evil. The Lord will guard us from all evil around us and even all the evil within our own hearts. But what does this look like? How is this actually realistic? How does this come down to earth? Well, I think the second line in the verse explains it. In verse seven, he says, the Lord will keep you from all evil. And I think here's what he means. He will keep your life. Some of your translations may say this. It could also be translated as, he will keep your soul. 
Evil can and will harm us in this life, but it can only harm us to a certain point. God's people are for sure not immune to suffering. We're not immune to temptation. We're not immune to sorrow. But but because of the power of our Heavenly Father, our rescued souls are untouchable. Our rescued souls are secure in his love, and no one can snatch us out of the Father's hand. Satan can make months or years or even decades miserable for us, but his leash is short, and eternity is very long. And we know this is true because we remember what the Lord did through his son, Jesus Christ, way after this psalm was was written, what he did to rescue our souls. He came into this world, and the writer of Hebrews says, to destroy the works of the devil, He came into this world to destroy evil. He came to defeat evil, and through his perfectly obedient life, his sacrificial death, and his victorious resurrection, he did it. Fully and finally and eternally, he did it. And Jesus endured evil, and he defeated evil to accomplish this, that the Lord will keep your life. And we hear it echoed. In places like Romans 8, we sang this already this morning, but I want you to hear the truth. This is, this is the, almost like the New Testament version of this part of Psalm, of, of Psalm 121. This is in Romans 8. I'll, just, I'll read this to you. He says in verse 35, the apostle Paul writes, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? And here's his answer down in verse 37. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. No matter what happened to you in 2023, none of it was able to separate you from the love of Christ, even your own sin. No matter what happens in 2024, nothing will be able to separate you from the love of Christ. And it's not because of our hold on him, it's because of his hold on us. The Lord will keep your your soul. We will experience pain, we will experience hardship, we will experience uncertainty, but our souls are perfectly safe and protected in the love of Christ. And even better news, this is not temporary. This is eternal. This is forever. This is everlasting. Look at the very last verse of Psalm 121. He ends the psalm by saying, the Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. You're going out and you're coming in. That just summarizes all the activity of your life. The day-to-day, in and out, routine, all the details, day after day, the Lord will keep you. And then the last phrase, from this time forth and forevermore. Whatever happened in 2023 and whatever's going on in your life right now, the Lord is keeping you from, from this time forth. And forevermore, he will keep you through 2024 and way past 2024. 
the encouragement here is for us to see the last, the last year and the coming year in light of eternity. In light of eternity, in light of the fact that our God is eternal, that he exists outside of time, and he is with us in every year of our lives, and he is preparing eternity for us. And you hear this echoed in the book of Jude in the New Testament. Hear, hear this promise. This is Jude, verses 24 and 25. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy to the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time and now and forever. Amen. You and I cannot go back and change 2023. Whatever parts we would want to change, we can't. But we can see and look for God's mercy and faithfulness in the past year. You and I cannot predict or fully control what 2024 will bring. But we can trust his goodness and power. We can rely on the untiring, sheltering, everlasting presence of the Lord. It's just like Newton wrote in Amazing Grace when he wrote that hymn 250 years ago. He said, "'Tis grace has brought me safe thus far, and grace will lead me home. It's that grace of that Lord that we trust and rely on last year and that we will trust and rely on for all of eternity. Let's pray together.